welcome to this inspiring message by Paul Van Essen at Greater Life Church. For more information about us, do visit our website www.greaterlife.org.uk. So we're doing this little series about the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, how the, the Spirit of God leads you, how to live daily in His presence. And I called today's message, just to be slightly controversial, Easter Beyond Jesus. Uh, you know, just like to stir up things a little bit if we can, because I think in our Christian church, let me just adjust this slide. In the Christian world, uh, we, have, um, we have so much what I would call traditional religious conviction without much power. And it's not supposed to be that way. In fact, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, the kingdom of God is not about word, it's about power. Now, words are important, but words without power are meaningless. They are not what Christianity is about. And one of those ideas that has seeped into the Christian church is this idea that Easter is the finale of everything. This is the biggest day, and in some respects it is. I understand that. But I love what John Lake said. John G. Lake said the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Easter is not the greatest day in the history of Christianity. What is then? He said the greatest day in the history of Christianity was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I think he's right. With no disrespect to the other point of view, which I understand, but you see, the the cross and Easter was not the end. That was not the finale. This is not the conclusion. This is the beginning. It's the conclusion of living restrained by the old nature, under the power of sin, as we would say, under the influence of Satan, where we couldn't break out of that well. It is the end, of, uh, the end of that, but it's the beginning of a new life. And we, if we're not living Easter and Christmas every day, then we're missing the point of Christianity, the point that Jesus came for. Why did he come? If I were to ask you today, why did Jesus come? Most people in the Christian church will probably say this, to forgive us for our sins which is true, but it was a, can I say it this way? It's a, like a means to an end. In God's heart, he is not obsessively concerned about your sins, your mistakes. He is obsessively concerned about how wonderful you are and how much he loves you. That's the heartbeat of Christianity. Sin is a real thing. The, the propensity to make mistakes and the force that drives humans to do things that are not good and not right and not helpful. That's a real thing. But the object of Jesus coming on Easter was not just to forgive your sins. Some will go further and say, well, it was to forgive our sins and heal our bodies. And thank God for that revelation that was not strong at all in the body of Christ until about 140 years ago when both Maria Woodworth Edder and particularly John Alexander Dowie in the late 1800s brought from heaven 
that revelation that the atonement, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was not just for the forgiveness of sins, but for the healing of people's bodies equally. That message was not generally proclaimed at all more than 120 years ago. And so what we have is God unveiling things piece by piece as we lay a hold of him, as we walk with him and this person uh, called the Holy Spirit that has been sent to us. Now, let me let's let's read a scripture just so we're going to we're going to base it on one verse. And if you have a Bible, turn to it. And if you don't have a written one and get one because it's easier to learn from. But read the other one as well. That won't hurt you. Ephesians chapter 5. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read about half a dozen verses or so. And uh, here it is, starting with 15 and ending with 21. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm the NIV. Let's listen to this together. Thank God for his word. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And what would that be? Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then submit or really yield to or flow with one another out of reverence for Christ. That's that little passage, and I want to talk simply about that today and what that means in our daily life. Now, let me remind you on the importance today when I'm talking about Easter beyond Jesus. I want to remind you of the importance that Jesus placed on the person of the Holy Spirit. You ready for this? Let me send you a few, and you can look them up in due course as you wish. You'll, this will be um, left up on online, and the message will be, um, you know, uh, distributed on uh, by by different media ways. You can come and watch what we're doing and listen. But in John seven thirty seven to thirty nine, Jesus said this. All you who come thirst, those <laughs> I can't even quote it now. Those that, though, all those that are thirsty come and drink. Those that believe in me or believe on me, in other words, it's not believing like I believe there's a God. It's a believe on in there's a connection with God. All those that believe on me, out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Sounds good, doesn't it? This he spoke about the Spirit, who had not yet been given because he had not yet been glorified. It was not until he went through this death, burial, and resurrection that he was glorified, and then the Spirit came, which is why John Lake says that really is the key. Because Jesus, like I, I mentioned before, Jesus didn't come. He, he, the purpose of Easter is not essentially to forgive you your sins. The purpose of Easter is to reconnect you with Father God. The sins were the issue that were in the way. 
But the purpose was God, as a loving father, wants to sit with you, sit with me, talk with us, have fellowship with us, be intimate together, partner together, walk together, talk together, restored to friendship with God. That's why Easter was important. And it was also in, to enable you to become everything that he intended for you to become. He's got an unbelievable vision of who you are, pretty different to your own, most likely. Far bigger, far more extravagant, far more confident uh, in, in God's, uh, God sees you than you see yourself. And you've got to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, that's why the Holy Spirit came. He's the one that is going to reveal those things to you. So that's really the object of Easter. And the person who makes all that work is the Holy Spirit, this person we call Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said these things. Here's another thing that you might want to know. In John 14, 16, he said, listen, you guys think it's bad that I'm going because he's told them, I'm going to die. I'm leaving. Bye. And they were upset because they've walked with this Jesus. He's become their, their teacher, their best friend, their, their Lord, their master, you know, their leader. And he said, you guys are upset, but actually it's a good thing. It's a good thing that Jesus is going. What would make him say that? It's a good thing that Jesus is going because if I don't go, I can't send Holy Spirit. But if I go, I'm going to send him and I'm going to send a helper or an advocate or a comforter, somebody called alongside to help you. And in the Greek, it, me, it says this, I'm going to send you a helper just like me. Holy Spirit has come to be to us just like Jesus was to those 12 disciples. The reason that we don't often talk or understand some of the things about Holy Spirit and walking the Spirit is that his job description, his mandate is specifically to glorify Jesus. He doesn't even speak of himself. He takes from the Father and reveals it to you, or he takes from Jesus and he reveals it to you. So we're not here to glorify this person called the Holy Spirit, even though he is God. The glory belongs to Jesus. We see that concept all the way through the Bible. But the person who takes you there is only Holy Spirit. Father's in heaven, on a throne. If you were to go there right now, your physical body couldn't handle the glory of God. But if he took you, say, in a different body, you'd see or know or perceive that there's this throne and Father is on that throne and angels are whirling around that throne right now. That's happening right now. And Jesus is seated right there next to him at the right hand of the Father. There's a third part of that Godhead, as we call it. That's the person of the Holy Spirit and he's down here. He isn't up there. He's down here on earth speaking to me, speaking to you encouraging me, encouraging you, revealing things to you, revealing things to me, anointing us. The Holy Spirit is a very, very important person. And Jesus said exactly that. This helper is coming that's just like me. 
And then, of course, we have one final little passage in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, and Jesus is speaking, and he's raised from the dead, but he hasn't yet ascended to the Father. And he said, listen, you guys have got to wait. He's making reference to the John 7 thing. You know, until he's glorified, the Holy Spirit couldn't come. You guys wait, wait for that day. And uh, for many years in early Pentecostal history, people waited. They'd tarry. They'd wait. You don't have to wait anymore because the Holy Spirit's already come. You can receive him the instant, this very instant, as you're speak, listening to me, as you're in your room, wherever you are right now, Holy Spirit will come to you as you turn your heart toward him and invite him to come close to you. And he will reveal the Father and Jesus to you. He's the one. He knows everything there is to know about God. So as we're talking about this Easter beyond Jesus, we understand that it's Holy Spirit that is bringing the reality of Jesus to us. And this Holy Spirit is here to guide you and to lead you. And I want to take a minute um, to, to uh, talk about, you know, examples of that, because that's where the rubber hits the road. How, how does that happen? So for me, I've walked with the Holy Spirit, been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit on the 29th of May, 1983. So that's approaching 40 years. And I've grown every day in, to some degree or other, getting to know him better. And that's what Christianity is. You're getting to know God. That's the object. But in all those things I've done, so I grew up in Australia. Um, I got called to the ministry uh, when I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's how, how do you know? How do you know what God's plan is for you? Well, the Holy Spirit will guide you, but mostly that is not spectacular. Mostly it is not dramatic things. Sometimes it is, but sometimes Christian people, especially in the charismatic, spirit-filled world, they miss the supernatural because they're looking for the spectacular. It isn't always spectacular. Mostly, like I said in the last message, he'll guide you by an inward witness, by a knowing on the inside. So I knew on the inside. Now, for me, when I, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was uh, a Christian for nearly six years, and I'd, and I'd wanted to be a musician. And I was very serious about it, and I was very serious about glorifying God. I was a very serious young Christian. I used to ride to the beach. Get this. I used to ride to the beach on a bicycle. And it must be, I don't know, six or seven miles, something like that, early on Saturday morning with a friend of mine. And we'd be up early. Sometimes we'd camp out in a little tent. I suppose I'm like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, that kind of age. And so we'd get on our push bikes, which were just no gears, man, you know, just bikes. And we'd ride down what is now, a, well, it was then a six-lane highway. And because we're so early on Saturday morning, there was no one on, on the highway. So we'd ride down the middle lane with our, with our uh, arms out like this, flying down uh, past Beacon Hill, down to a beach called D.Y. And, and, and we just wanted to go for a swim early in the morning. And so we did. And then we'd have a meat pie generally afterwards to warm us up because we were young, growing, skinny men. And, uh, and I remember what I used to do. I'd get to that beach with my friend, who's also a Christian. 
uh, but I was kind of the stronger Christian of the two. And uh, so we'd pray, and I'd say, let's pray just before we go for a swim here. And, I'd, and we'd pray that God would keep us safe. And I'd, and I'd just pray, God, just help us to glorify you as we go swimming. And when I look back on it, I say, well, how exactly do you do that, Paul? You know, But I was just very sincere. And I was going to be a musician. And I was set on it. And there's a number of things I, I suppose I could have done. But that was the passion of my heart. And so I applied myself to it. Then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then within the next three months, I knew that God had called me to the ministry. How did that, how did that work? Because I'd never understood that before. I had no intention. I had the intention of serving God, but not as a preacher and a teacher and a prophetic voice. Just wasn't and a leader. That just wasn't what I was intending. But what happened to me was I would, pr- I would worship the Lord a lot. I would pray in tongues, which is this new gift I had a lot. And I'd get in the house of God where the meetings were being held and, and, and the Holy Spirit was really moving in that church at that time. But the way God spoke to me was, as the minister there, the preacher who was my pastor for many years, uh, as he preached and he's standing there preaching, I felt like it was me. It's a very strange experience. I felt like this is this is like it's that's that's like it's like me doing this, and it was weird and it happened you know weeks on end, and I would go and pray, seek God. I'd go down to the bush, as we say in Australia, and there's less people in Australia, so it's a bit easier to find some space by yourself. And I'd go down there and I'd begin to pray or worship God or seek God or whatever. And sometimes while I'm praying, and this still happens to me, uh, I would begin to preach. In the middle of my prayer time, I'd start to just a thought came and I'm kind of lost in another world. And those two things together, I knew this is what God had called me to. Nobody particularly prophesied it over me. Um, And sometimes God does that deliberately so that you put your trust in your own connection with him instead of excessively on what somebody else prophesied. Um, but for me, you see, that was that was how that worked. I could tell you a lot of stories, but maybe just to say when we came to Australia, you see, now that was a big thing. That was always a passion in my heart uh, to come, sorry, to leave Australia and come to England. So I've always been, I suppose, fairly um, adventurous. I'm not, I'm kind of not afraid to start something new. I'm, I'm probably bored pretty easily. Uh, and so the idea of uprooting and leaving family and friends, uh, I, you know, I can understand and I see and I, I feel the kind of the loss of that. Um, but it's not going to stop me doing it if I feel like that's my destiny. Now, but for me to come, that's a big step, right? Uh, to leave because we had little family, uh, a house with a mortgage. Um, and, you know, my parents had, I'm the oldest child. And then my son was the oldest grandchild. And three grandchildren, and we had moved house to be close to my parents. So for them to lose effectively, in some measure, uh, their three grandchildren at that kind of, you know, seven, nine, 11 kind of age, um, that was tough. And I didn't have a vision to come to England. I didn't have a prophetic word in the sense that somebody said, this is what you're going to do, because you kind of have to know things yourself. And I had to wrestle it out because it was a, 
strong passion in my heart to come. And so I'd wanted to come before. And I had to take the advice and the counsel and kind of rub off with other leaders in terms of trying to get the timing right. But in the end, it was a passion in my heart. I had to deal with the practical stuff. And I, and I didn't have any great spiritual experience. Now, some other people uh, that came did have a really significant spiritual experience with Jesus uh, in terms of going and coming to Australia, leaving our home, coming to England, I'm sorry, and leaving our home. But for me, it just wasn't that way. And mostly, Holy Spirit will guide you by impression. I had to decide, we had to decide, are we going to keep this house or sell the house? And we really couldn't fund, we had the, we got some support from a church who sent us, but we basically funding ourselves. And so for me, pragmatically, I just thought, well, this is my future. This is where I want to go. This is where I want to be. Uh, so we'll sell the house, that frees up a little bit of cash, then at least we can start something new. That was how I thought. Um, in retrospect, uh, Possibly it would have been wiser to keep the house. Uh, and uh, I was in my kind of mid-30s. So, you know, I was not that young. Um, uh, I guess I'm saying I could, I could have known better. I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm not a financial, I know a bit better now, but I, was, I wasn't trying to build uh, a lot of money. I was trying to obey God. That's just what came out. So, you know, when you think, okay, do you sell the house? God didn't really speak to me one way or the other, so I just used the best wisdom I could, and in retrospect, maybe might have done it better. But that's just some examples of how Holy Spirit leads you. Now, I want to say this to you. If you're not living in daily intimacy and in daily partnership with God, if there isn't a sense of the life of God, substance stuff flowing out of you, rivers of living water, which Romans 8, 11 echoes when it says uh, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. And if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, then your body, your mortal body will be made alive. Some versions say quickened, like, a, like an experience of life by his spirit that's in you. If that's not your daily experience, then you're missing out. Then you're, you're missing substantially the whole point. So this, you know, you can have a cross around your throat, <laughs> around your neck. <laughs> you can have, you know, you can celebrate Easter. You can, you can, you know, play special worship songs. You can, re, you know, uh, watch this new program called The Chosen on that app, which I hear from friends is very good. Um, but at the end of the day, the point is that there's another 364 and a quarter days this year, and that experience belongs to you every day. And that is where Holy Spirit is incredibly important. Let me say this. In Acts 1.8, and I'm going to draw these things together. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, now listen, I'm not going to restore. I'm not the days of restoring the kingdom. That's not the point, he says. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then in another place, in fact, in all four Gospels, it's said of Jesus that he will baptize you. And the better word is immerse. I think we should change in 
every version of the Bible, the word baptized to the word immerse, because that's what it really means. Baptized was just a made-up word. Because, well, another story. I'm going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to understand about that. There is a definite experience of being immersed or filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a point where that happens to you, which you didn't have before. So you can be a Christian and Jesus is in you and you're born again. But this immersion of the Holy Spirit is a separate thing. And you can see that in Acts, where on several occasions there are people that are believers. They're Christians. They've put their faith in Jesus. But Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? It's the same Holy Spirit. But one is a born-again experience that makes you a new person. And the other is an infilling or an imbuing or a, uh, a, a uh, um, what's the word I'm thinking of here? A uh, in, in, infilling, imbuing, immersion. That's the word in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to help you with this. Okay. Some of you that are listening may never have actually received this immersion in the Holy Spirit separate from salvation. With that immersion comes the gift of praying in other languages, which is one of the greatest life-changing gifts you will ever have. So if you've never received that gift, which is available to all, the Bible makes it clear, then I want you to ask God sincerely and say, God, I want that gift and come after it and ask me to help you. I will help you any way I can because that has changed my life. So there's a point where you get immersed in the Holy Spirit. Okay. But then there's also being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Watch this now. So we read this passage before. Be very careful how you live. Remember this. So in verse 17, again, if Ephesians 5, that one passage I'm reading, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, what's the will of God? Well, here it is. Don't get drunk in wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, the better Greek translation, this is a, I'm not a, a Greek expert, but I know that this is what they call permanent present tense. So the best way we can interpret that into English is be being filled. In be in a constant state of being filled. And you'll notice that there's a similarity between getting drunk, because there's a several references to this, and being filled with the Spirit. There's a similarity. You get out beyond yourself. You loosen up in your personality. You become maybe just more in touch with, with freer, more able to. And getting drunk with wine or alcohol is a worldly replacement for, substitute for, being filled with the Spirit. People need a part of their life to be intoxicated. You are not supposed to live like an accountant all your life, crunching the numbers, you know, thinking straight. There's a part of people that needs expression. Some, the amount of that that people need varies from person to person. But everybody needs 
a liberation, a confidence, a drunkenness, if you like. And all that's happened is that the world has discovered that what alcohol does is, is, is helps in that way. All I'm saying is, and I know that excessive alcohol use and, and substance abuse and things cause terrible damage, and I'm not downplaying that for a moment. But understand what I'm saying. When, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that has a similar kind of effect. And Paul's writing an instruction to you and me by the Holy Spirit who inspired him. And he says, look, be in a constant state of being filled. So there's immersed, baptized, and then there's be being filled daily. Now, what can happen is that you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit 15 years ago. And so those gifts are available. That dynamic experience is available. That gift of praying in other tongues, that gift of liberty, that feeling drunk, that's available to you. But you haven't lived there for a long time because you haven't, practiced, you haven't done what this little verse told you to and be'd, be being filled. But when you be being filled, then this, this liberty, this joy, this free-flowing river starts to experientially flow from your life. That's the will of God. That's what that verse is saying there. And I want simply to tell you how to live that way. And then we'll conclude because that's where it's practical. And we need to, we need just about to wrap up here. Gee, it's been good to be with you though. I hope this has helped you. And remember this, if, if the preaching of the gospel you're hearing doesn't have practical application, then it's not preaching the gospel. You know, you can, you can study the history and the maps and the, and the you know, journeys of Paul and how long he was in this place. It's all fine and good. But if it doesn't have practical application, it doesn't change your life, it doesn't make you hungry, it doesn't stir you up, it doesn't feed your spirit and nourish your soul, then you're wasting your time. Get switched on to something that is feeding you. And I hope we're doing that for you today. That's my absolute goal. So how do you live that way? Well, the secret, hey, the secret is in that verse. Listen to this. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk in wine. Instead, be being filled with the Spirit. And this is what happens. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Speaking, speaking to one another, songs, singing and making music in your heart. Or one version says, making melody in your heart. That's two things. Always giving thanks to God. And then the fourth thing here is, and submitting, or far better, yielding. Flowing with one another. When you're filled, when you're living filled, those things will flow out of your life. And it's a little bit like priming a pump. I don't know. I know we do that here in England, probably not anymore. Some, for some people, they won't know what that is. Um, but when you have a, a tank in Australia, in the outback, especially of these big water tanks, right? And, and the rainwater collects and, and we're going to uh, use that water to wash and boil and whatever. And so you have a pump at the front. And what you do to get the pump going is you actually have to have a little container of water that you put yourself in that pump and that primes it, and that gets the flow going. If you don't prime it like that, put that little bit in, then the pump won't access that massive tank of water. It's the same with the things of the Spirit. 
these things will will help prime the pump. So it works two ways. The fuller of the spirit you get, the more these things will happen. And the more you do these things, the fuller of the spirit you will get. Will I say it again? The more, the fuller of the Holy Spirit you get experientially, drunk with supernatural wine, the more these things will come out of you. What things? Singing, speaking, speaking in tongues, that'll flow out. It'll flow out, speaking in other tongues, speaking in songs and hymns, and in, in other words, in worshipful ways to one another, it'll flow out. Giving thanks in your heart, it'll flow out. You'll just find yourself thanking God, the fuller of the Spirit you are. Flowing with one another, not getting aggravated about this, that, and the other. Full of the Holy Spirit will bring those things about. And likewise, you prime the pump the same way. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more the, you open the door for the flow of an increase of the Holy Spirit. The more you speak to one another in spiritual ways, encourage one another in the things of God. Don't be only preoccupied with the rugby, the football, the movies, the music, the world of COVID, the news, and whatever else. Actually, be enthusiastic and excited about what the Word of God has to say. Let that fill your heart. And when you speak to people, not in a ugly, stupid, kind of falsely constructed way, but in a way, hey, this is, this is you know, God's doing something in my heart. The more you do that, the fuller of the Spirit you'll get. The more you give thanks to God, just start giving Him thanks. I'm just, the fuller, you'll find it. Listen, that is, that is like, I think Paul Scanlon calls it a superpower. Giving of thanks. It's like a free antidepressant. I think that's what he calls it. And I think that's true. But giving thanks is an awesome thing to do. It's one thing to sit in awe on Easter at what Jesus has done. It's another, and it's good, but it's another thing to give thanks, to just thank you, Lord. Come on, let's praise him. That's why we tell you, lip, turn the volume up. Pray, let's praise him. Rouse yourself and start giving thanks to God because it primes the pump. And you start getting more and more filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing is flow together. Notice that? Flow together. When you flow together, when you flow with other people, we look at the world, the church world, sadly, often the same sitting there where they are in their seats, wherever they are around the world, annoyed with this person, aggravated with this person, you know, uh, not particularly feeling like talking to anybody. And, and you, can, you can counsel people forever. But ultimately, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, you will find your ability to flow with others, to not get aggravated will increase. This is the real Christian life. This is Easter beyond Jesus. Because Jesus opened the door for a person called Holy Spirit to fill your life, to baptize you or to immerse you, to flood you, to cause you to live like you're drunk in the best possible sense. Can I say it that way? You okay with that? It's in the Bible. I didn't write it. And, to, and, to, and then out of that, you see, this Holy Spirit begins to guide you. And as I talked about in those things, the fuller you are, the more the stuff flows out of you. That's the essence of the Christian life. I'm talking about that today because everything Jesus died for is encapsulated in your personal relationship with God 
through this person called Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to I'm going to close in prayer, and I think that Carrie is going to come in, and we will wish you a very blessed and happy Easter. And the sun is shining here in England. What a great country! Nowhere else I'd rather live. Let's pray, Father. Thank you, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he achieved in his death, burial, and resurrection, that he did things that no other person in history could do or did do. And he opened heaven for us. Thank you. And thank you for his truth saying, don't leave until you're filled with the Spirit because power is going to come on you. Thank you how he spoke prophetically that rivers of living water are going to flow out of all of our bellies, our lives, and that this is the essence of the Christian life. I pray for every person watching, every person listening, in all the different countries we're touching today. Father, I release a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now into every living room, into every every little church meeting, to every gathering, into every family, into every bedroom, wherever people are, I release that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I do that because I'm authorized to do that. Holy Spirit, come and fill these hearts and fill these lives and immerse these people in this time right now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.